Hey, Cracked fans, a quick note about today's shows. We recorded this content before Novak Djokovic hit that ball errantly at the back fence. It struck a line judge, and then ultimately he was defaulted from the 2020 U.S. Open. Now, of course, that is breaking news, newsworthy of its own podcast, its own video. And, of course, that's what we wanted to give you to you, Cracked Rackets fans. So Jamie McDonald joined me for an emergency reaction, both podcast and video, of which you can find the link below. You can find that on video again on our YouTube channel. You can find that podcast on the Great Shot podcast feed. Uh, but needless to say, it's going to impact our thoughts moving forward. It's going to impact what we're going to see these next uh, week, this next week of the U.S. Open. And I know I speak from a tennis perspective purely when I say it is going to add a whole lot of intrigue to this men's side of the field. So wanted you to hear that note. Of course, again, we think a lot of the takes we talked about here, recapping week one, giving our thoughts on the biggest winners, the biggest disappointments, and then the narratives to watch moving forward. I would say 90% of it holds up. I mean, once you get to the men's prediction section, maybe you're going to say, wow, you guys really like Djokovic. That sounds stupid in retrospect. I would argue he didn't really lose the match from a tennis perspective. He lost it from a mental perspective. Anyways, needless to say, you're going to hear that at the end. We do apologize for that. Nevertheless, still content we want you all to see. So with that in mind, we hope you enjoy our videos and podcasts recapping the first week of the U.S. Open. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Week one of the 2020 U.S. Open officially in the books. Fourth round set for both the men's and women's field. And while, of course, all of us are so excited for that play to get underway here in week two, we want to look back today here on the podcast, talk about our biggest takeaways from week one, answer the six biggest questions we have from the week of play. Of course, do a little bit of previewing for what we will see this second week as well. And joining me on the podcast to do that, just that, a man I could not think of any other guest other than this man, I should say, to join me for such uh, a podcast topic. You, of course, know him as your favorite Crack Rackets writer, a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, of course, a man I affectionately refer to as Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot. How are you doing today? How have you enjoyed week one of this U.S. Open? Loved it, man. Loved it. It's uh, It's been a great first week. Obviously, the, the tournament feels a little bit different, right? Just watching all these matches, nobody in the crowd. It looks kind of weird. But here's the thing that I, I thought about the other day. I was like, man, at the end of the day, these matches are still as competitive as ever. We're getting exactly what we want with this tennis. It's it's phenomenal. And I've gotten to the point now where I've almost forgot about the crowd. You know, I, I mean, the tennis is so good. I just get drawn in and it's like the crowd isn't even really there. Obviously, you know, if we had a choice, it would be fun to have them there, um, you know, hyping up some of these players. But at the end of the day, I think the, the, the guys and girls are able to just get it out of their mind. They're playing competitively and we've had a ton of great matches in the first week. So I've loved it, man. It's great. Ready yeah. for week two. 
No, it's interesting you make that point about the crowds because when you hear from tennis insiders, people who are on the grounds, people who go to the U.S. Open year in, year out, they talk about it, how weird it is for them to not have any fans in the stadium, how weird it is to see the grounds this empty, to have yeah. players hanging around the grounds as frequently as they do to see them at matches. But I agree with you. For those watching at home, I don't think it's felt very different. Yeah, you don't hear the crowd. Some of the tension, I suppose, maybe, that they provi- uh, provide – uh, taken out of the match, but you know how many times have we seen players serving for a set five three five four, or a player looking to break to stay alive in that reverse scenario, and they're able to do it? The drama's been there. I just think, yeah, I mean, sure, I guess again a little bit weird, but not noticeable in any way, at least from my perspective. The only reason I notice it is because the commentators bring it up. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like if if you just put that out of your mind, I mean, you wouldn't even really notice the difference from watching on TV or on the stream. So, um, yeah, it's been great, man. Looking forward to week two. And obviously we've got uh, a lot to cover from from week one. Yeah, and of course, we are going to do just that. Now, some of you may have seen these videos on our YouTube channel. Jamie McDonald joining me to break down the men's and women's draw, respectively, answer our biggest six questions. We're going to do that together here in one podcast, give Maddie a chance to share all of his thoughts from week one, since, of course, he's busy, wasn't able to join us during the mini break for week one, but we still want to, of course, hear his thoughts. So just so you know, the questions are going to be, who again, who are the most impressive performers, the most disappointing performers, the dark horse candidates, the stories we'll be talking about after this U.S. Open ends, our favorite first week matches, and then, of course, our predictions for week two. Of course, we give predictions every day here on this Great Shot podcast, and hopefully those of you, uh, those of you out there are following along and playing along with us with our friends at DraftKings. In case you're not, you want to get in on the action, here's how it works. You're going to create your DraftKings Sportsbook account and make a deposit. From there, DraftKings will match your first deposit at 20% up to $500. With that, make your first bet, and DraftKings will also match that with a risk-free first bet up to $500. Just go to dkng.co slash cracked open to play. That's dkng.co slash cracked open. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Users must be 21 years or older and in a participating state to take advantage of this offer. Deposit, deposit bonus is in DK dollars, which have no cash value and must be used on DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for more detail. And of course, be sure to follow along with us every day as we make our picks on the GSP Ace of the Day segment. All right, Maddie, with that, let's get into talking about week one. And as I said on the video, I'll say it again here. Uh, we are a glass half full type of company at Cracked Rackets. We want to focus on focus on the positives and start with that. So with all of the incredible action we saw through week one, the first three rounds of these U.S. Open in the books, let's start on the men's side and let's start with your most impressive performers, Maddie. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely got several here, so I'll just go through these quickly, Gruskin, and then we can, you know, if you want to pick and choose who we talk about a little bit more in depth. But obviously, number one, I have to start with Sasha Zverev, man. You'll remember, Alex, on our uh, draw preview pod, I picked him to lose in the first round to Kevin Anderson. 
And, and I felt pretty good about that pick. I really did. I mean, Anderson was such a dangerous first-round opponent, a guy that's made finals of Grand Slams in the past. I just thought that was an unbelievably tough draw for Zverev. But you know what, man? Here he is in the quarterfinals. I mean, he has made his way through the first week very, very impressively. And here's the thing. He hasn't even played his best yet. That That's what I like about this is he's mm-hmm. he's gotten through the first week, right? He played Anderson. He made it through. He played Brandon Nakashima, which I thought was going to be a tricky matchup. He got through that. Uh, Adrian Manorino. And then today against Fokina, he's just really kind of made his way through the draw. Hasn't been, you know, a whole lot of... Um, you know, theatrics or anything with Zverev. He's just gotten through, and I think he he still has room to grow. And if he turns it on, man, look out. Um, I'm very impressed. I, I picked him to lose, but at the same time, I'm, I'm happy for him. I really am. I'm glad that the serving hasn't been that big of an issue for him yet. He looks like he's gaining in confidence, and he's a dangerous player. We know that. So uh, happy for him. Very impressed with his first week's performance. That would be number one. Now Let's I'm, start there, Maddie. I'm going to okay. cut you off because, yeah. A, how rare is it that I get to hear you compliment Alex Zverev? Are you trying to make something up to me? Is this because we went an hour early? You know what? No. Look, here's the thing. I, I've <laughs> always been such a Zverev fan. Like, I want him to do well. I wish him well all the time. It's just from what I've seen out of him, he just he makes it tough for, for me to keep believing and keep picking him, you know, draw after draw, because when I do that, he's disappointed me in the past. And so this tournament... I made the decision to go against him, and I picked Kevin Anderson. I just thought that was the perfect storm for Anderson to come out and get that win. But uh, Zverev, man, I mean, he's looking pretty good. I I just, I have to say, I'm impressed. I did not think he would be at this point. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, look, for Alex Zverev, and I said it before, I keep saying it, every time you watch him, there's going to be at least 10 minutes where you think, oh my God, this guy could be the best player tennis has ever seen. Even if he doesn't accumulate all of the records, he could run off a four-year stretch where he wins, I don't know, 12 majors. And like, there are times, 10 minutes in every match where you're like, yeah, I see that player in him. And for so long, there were doubts about him at the majors. Here are his last six results there, Matty. Fourth round, 2019 Australian Open, quarterfinal. French Open, the first round knockout at Wimbledon, not great, but then fourth round U.S. Open last year, semifinals Australian Open this year, and then yeah, the quarterfinals here. And no, he had you know he is not going to have to face Stefano Tsitsipas in order to make the semifinals. He's going to get the winner of Chorch and Thompson. And if you're writing the script for him, you're like, that's exactly how I would have wanted it. This went perfectly. And yet, you know, you can only control the player that's across the net from you. And that's not, it's not in his control who shows up. He can only do what he can do. But you look at the level of play and we're recording this 3 p.m. on a Sunday. So some of these round of 16 matches have finished. Some of them haven't. But, you know, Davidovich Fokina, sure, that's an ideal opponent. Uh, Quarterfinals, sure, that's an ideal opponent. But for him to beat Anderson, Nakashima, and Manorino, all in four sets, but all fairly convincingly, the fact that you're right, it doesn't feel like he's playing his best tennis. And yet, there are moments now when he's hitting an out wide serve on the deuce side 120. That is the hardest thing to do as a tennis player. He's going 137 down the tee. They're just. And you you just look at him physically, eye test. He continues to fill out his frame to become the sort of athlete that we all knew he was capable of and to be able to move at that side, the flexibility, the the ground strokes. I just, yeah, he has to be one of your most impressive performers of week one. 
Yep, there's no question. And and I, I also want to comment on just the professionalism that he showed. Remember that Manorino match, Gruskin? There was some, you know, there were some issues there. Obviously, they were delayed several hours, you know, issue with the USTA or, you know, New York, uh, the, the state there. Um, but Zverev handled that really, really well. I mean, in his, in his interview after the match, I was just impressed. I was like, man, this guy is here to play. He's being professional. He doesn't care when he takes the court. It could be at 2 a.m. It could be at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. Doesn't matter. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be prepared. And I just said, wow. I mean, if if this is the Zverev that we're going to get, he can go all the way. We know he has the talent to do it. Um, so, I yeah, for me, definitely probably the most impressive performer on the men's side, or at least one of the, the most impressive. Yeah, no, and I mean, the way he's bounced back in sets three and four of his two early matches, I thought that was so impressive as well. We've seen him sulk so many times and then just give away a match. That was not the case. He is locked in physically. He finds himself in the quarterfinals, and he was on my list as well, Matty, but who is number two on the men's side for you? Well, there, there's a couple here that fall into this mm-hmm. category, a couple of unseated players on the bottom half of the draw. Um, Francis Tiafo. How about that, right? The last American standing. I don't think, Gruskin, we would have pegged him as the final American, right? We definitely wouldn't have. Um, There's no way that we would have picked that. Obviously, you know, Francis had COVID earlier this summer. We haven't seen a ton from him. Hadn't really been playing his best leading into this tournament. He had that tough match at the Western and Southern against Andy Murray. Didn't look particularly, you know, particularly great in that match. Um, But holy cow. I mean, the match against Millman, the way that he just elevated his game after going down two sets to one, John Millman, you'll remember this, Gruskin, was the guy that I had pegged in that section into the fourth round. I said, if any unseeded player could get through, I was going to pick John Millman just because of his fitness level and, and, you know, what he's done at the U.S. Open in the past, beating Federer a couple years back. That was just so impressive to me from Francis. I was so happy for him. He cranked his level up mentally. He didn't go anywhere. And then he backs that up again in the next match against Martin Fuksovics, who is a tough opponent. He beat Grigor Dimitrov. I thought, okay, there could be some issues here for Francis. I think heading into that, Fuksovics may have been up 2-0 head-to-head in that career head-to-head. So that was a difficult matchup, and Francis just took him out. Woodshed. Um, That was just super impressive you know and for him to be still at this position you know obviously he's drawing Medvedev now in the fourth round obviously you know it's not going to get much tougher than that but for him to get to this point super impressed very happy for him and he's right up there on the top of my list and then I'm also going to group Vasek Pospisil into that category as another unseated guy that I had no idea was going to be here in the fourth round and I know you didn't either Gruskin we were thinking Milos I mean there were so many Robbie Bats, Bautista Agut there were so many other guys that in that little section we would have had penciled in there other than Vasek Pospisil but he's played some awesome tennis too very aggressive, comes into the net, loves volleying, um, serves well. You know, for him to take out Milos the way that he did, who I had in my semifinals, and then follow that up with a win over RBA, who's one of the toughest outs, most professional players on tour, 
I couldn't believe it. I just, I thought there would have been no way for, so for Pospisil, tremendous tournament. And now he draws Alex Demonor. That's, you know, for a fourth round opponent, I don't think he'll be too disappointed in that. You know, it could be a Medvedev or a Djokovic or, you know, somebody else. So Pospisil has an opportunity, man. He's, uh, he's had a great tournament. So Francis Tiafo, Vasek Pospisil, those two guys fall in right there with Zverev for me. Most impressive. Yeah. You should probably throw Davidovich Fokina in there as well, right? The wins for him over Dennis Novak, Hubi Hercots, yeah. Nori. Uh, you know, those are good wins. And to your point about Tiafo, you know, in that match against Fucevic, yeah, Fucevic played a five-setter against Dimitrov the day before, but Tiafo had played nine sets in right. his first two matches against Milman and Sepian, yet just it's so clear physically. Something about the three out of five set format brings out the best in Tiafo's game. And we've seen it now a couple of times. And it's just, it's very evident. The serve is a weapon. Obviously, the more physical a match gets, the uh, more his skill set, the more his fitness is shown off. I agree with you there. I agree with you with Pospisil, with that serve, with that forehand, the speed of these courts. Again, we knew a big serving Canadian was going to make a run. We just picked the wrong one. <laughs> right. Point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said on those guys, you know, for Borna Chorch, that win over Tsitsipas, objectively, uh, you know, impressive. He's another name you can throw in there. Novak Djokovic, another name you can throw in there. But you, I think another name you have to throw in there, Denis Shapovalov. Good wins over Korda, Kwan, and Fritz. You know, Fritz served for that match. He now has a chance to make the first quarterfinal of his young career at a major. It, it, he's played really well, too. He's finally starting to show off, okay, I, I wouldn't say it's a definitive plan B, but if plan A is not working, he's still now, he's finding ways to compete in these matches. Yeah, I would agree with you there. The only reason I didn't mention Dennis, and again, if we go back, uh, you know, about a week to our draw preview podcast, Gruskin, I had Dennis Shapovalov penciled into the quarters. So let's see how he does here against GoFan. There's one more match. If he can get through this match tonight with GoFan, then absolutely he will be at the top of my list of um, you know most impressive performance you know performers. But I had him going to the quarters, so for me, I, I kind of expected him to be at this stage of the tournament. That's why I didn't mention him. But yeah, I mean, what he did against Fritz. And I, it's going to be tough for me to even talk about that match because Taylor Fritz really should have won that. I feel bad for Taylor. I mean, serving for it the way that he was, first serve kind of disappears. That was just, that was tough for Taylor Fritz. I was hoping he could have, uh, you know, pulled that one out. But for Dennis, yeah, I mean, he's done what he's had to do up until this point. He's got another test, though. Let's see what he does against GoFan, who's very dangerous. And, uh, you know, we can revisit him again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if he beats GoFan, then it's unequivocal. Yes. He's in the top three, maybe top two of this list of yes. most impressive performers. Uh, that's our thought on the men's, though. That's the guys who stood out on the women's side, Maddie, who have been your most impressive performers. Well, I don't think we have to look any further than Jen Brady, right? I mean, holy cow. Jen Brady going into this tournament— she had been playing well, right? Over the summer, she played world team tennis. We had seen her several times, and we knew that she was improving. You know, her fitness has improved. Really, just her entire game all around. But to be at this stage in the quarterfinals without dropping a set, beating players like Kerber, Caroline Garcia, Bellis. I mean, she's just been... She's been phenomenal, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. A player that, again, going into the tournament... 
I felt like could have maybe made a, a bit of a run, you know, possibly third, fourth round, but into the quarters, I, I did not predict that. So for me, Jen Brady absolutely is at the top of my list, most impressive performers. Um, and, and she's American, right? So that just kind of, that's the icing on the cake there. Uh, and, and she's got a really good opportunity again in the quarterfinals. If you would have told Jen Brady, hey, you're going to make your first quarterfinal in a Grand Slam and play Putin Seva, I, she would have just probably, she would have loved that. So um, yeah, tr tremendous opportunity. I'm looking forward to seeing her make a run. And I, I, I really think she has a chance to go all the way. I, I, yeah. I think she could do it. Just the way that she's playing now, the eye test, from what I've seen, I think she could go all the way. And it's every check mark as well you would want from a player right now. Did they play a lot of tennis during the past five and a half months? Yes, she played yes. world team tennis. She went down to Lexington, won a yep. title. Check, check. Is she confident? Everything I just said, yes. she went down to Lexington, won a title. She just knocked Angelique Kerber out in straight sets. Check, check. From a matchup perspective, can Yulia Putin save a put Brady under any pressure? Is she really going to hurt her? No, this match is going to be on Brady's terms. So. Yep. She's a favorite, in my yes. opinion, to make the semifinals. And even when Pliskova was alive, we still thought, yeah, Brady can give her a run. You know, no. Now at this point, I think it's legitimate to say Jen Brady, a favorite to make the semifinals. I completely agree with you. She has to be number one on your list when you talk about most impressive performers. Someone who is 1A, I would say for me. Someone who, you know, again, passes the, every checkmark. I guess two players, 1A, B, and C in terms of players who are all of those checkmarks. Marks. Have they played a lot in August? Have they looked good in New York? Are they confident? Annette Conteve and Shelby Rogers. And Annette Conteve, she knocks out Danielle Collins in a tricky first round match. Hasn't dropped the set since for Shelby Rogers. Two really good wins over Rabakina and Brangle these past two rounds. I mean, those are three players who, again, confident. Uh, you know, have matched tough right now, which not a lot of players are. And, you know, tough draws for Rogers. She's got Kvitova for Kontave. She's got Osaka, but all players who have looked so good to me in week one. Yeah, those are good picks. I I've got another one for you, Gruskin. And, and this mm -hmm. one came really out of left field. Somebody that we had completely written off because she actually had a kid. How about Svetana Perankova? I mean, she's been gone for three years. We haven't seen her play in so long. She comes back here and is now in the fourth round. I've been extremely impressed with her just from the standpoint of like, she hasn't really played much professional tennis at all. You know, mm -hmm. she takes out Donna Vekic. That's a great win. I mean, I've just been impressed with her. And again, I, I don't know how far she's going to go. Those other players that you mentioned, I think, have a better opportunity to go further. But at least throughout the first week, if we're talking about who impressed you over the course of the first week, Parankova, man, has to be up there, right? No, she was great against Muguruza. I will say yes. this. Vekic gave her a stinker yesterday. Yeah, she, she did. did not, but yeah, not her best tennis. Vekic yeah. also, I think, mentally went a little bit away. I think Parankova had something to do with that. I, I think mm -hmm. she frustrated Vekic to the point where Vekic said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm out of here. And, and, and then gave her that stinker. I, I agree. But I think Parankova had something to do with that. 
completely agree with you. Let me give you th- uh, four more names. One, uh, you know, two different groups though. Alize Cornet. I mean, he's sure. had to pull out with injury, but you know, we said she's a player. We thought it was going to be Teichman probably in that section, but we said Cornet certainly had a shot at getting to the second week. She pulled through. Has to be considered. Three people who made the third uh, made the third round all looked impressive in losses. Katie McNally, who knocked out Ekaterina Alexandrova. Jess Pagula, who it was three and four versus Kvitova, but that was a freaking battle. And then Ann Lee, who I thought looked really good against Angelique Kerber as well. Those are players who may not find themselves in the second week, but you know certainly come away from this U.S. Open thinking, okay, I'm on to something. Yeah, I think those are good calls. Pagula, I, that Kvitova match, I, I I watched that one. It was it was tough because Kvitova on these courts is, is a trick. Yes, exactly. Just a a tough tough matchup. And Pagula had been playing so well, so I was I was hoping she was going to find a way to get through that one. But it just it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't going to happen. Kvitova was too good. So hats off. So yeah, no, I, I agree with those picks. McNally again for her to win a couple matches here. Uh, definitely big time for her. That Mertens match, I was just a little disappointed because she was up 5-4. I thought she was going to win that first set. She did get frustrated, and and she went she went away a little bit in the second set, but she's obviously still young. I think she can learn from this experience, and obviously just from a ranking standpoint, making the third round of the U.S. Open, I was overall I was definitely proud of McNally, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, look, think about it like this. The emotional... Uh, just a rush that you get, uh, the adrenaline rush, the just the, how great you're feeling after beating a seed like Alexandrova in a third set breaker, uh, and then you have to go back play someone who's playing as well as Mertens the next day. That's a tough ask for any player, but no, I agree with you. And again, glass half full. That's why we spent so long. There have been so many impressive performances through this first week. Those are only some of them. I'm sure you know. We didn't mention Rublev or Berrettini. Neither of those guys have dropped the set thus far. We didn't talk about you know uh, Sophia Kennan, who probably probably had the toughest draw of any yeah. player out there and has worked her way through without dropping a set. I mean, there are, have been so many impressive performers. And again, it's a huge credit to so many of these players for staying in shape, putting in the work as you have to do to succeed in modern tennis, but they certainly did. And that's why we've had such a great week one here at this U.S. Open. Let's do the flip side, though. Sometimes there is a little glass half empty. Sometimes you leave a few opportunities on the table. I certainly feel foolish for including Petra Martic and not Jennifer Brady in my parlay, even though I knew Jennifer Brady was... I was just much more confident in her. Anyways, I'll save that gripe for another time. Never get angry at the players. Like I say, I'm getting mad at myself here for not knowing better. But there are some players who are probably also angry with themselves after their uh, performances here at this U.S. Open, Maddie. Let's start with the women this time. Who are the women who you're most disappointed in their performances here in New York? Well, obviously, you know... Pliskova is not going to be happy, right, with that second round loss to Garcia. And Garcia, like in all fairness, Garcia is a is a tricky opponent really to good play player. in this. Yeah. Really good player, former top ten player. I mean, that's a tough match. But when you're when you're Carolina Pliskova, you've got that number one next to your name. She will be disappointed. I mean, it is a disappointing performance. Um, you know, tough draw. So, you know, there's not much that she could really do about that, but I think she'll, she'll want that match back. She knows that she can beat Garcia. Um, I don't really want to harp on Madison keys too bad. Again, she, some injury. injury. Yeah, it's an injury. So that was disappointing. I knew something wasn't right because 
she just, she wasn't serving. I mean, it was obvious her shoulder or whatever it was. I was hoping that she could have gone further. Um, you know, that wasn't meant to be. Muguruza, I mean, that's somebody that I... I would have thought was going to go further, probably make the second week, the fourth round at a minimum. Uh, but Parakova, who was one of my most impressive performers, had something to say about that. So I think that was a little bit disappointing uh, for Muguruza. Um, mm -hmm. other, other than that... Um, it's tough to say. I mean, Sabalenka is somebody that I always look at and I think has the ability to go deep. But once again, she was the victim of a tough draw. I mean, Victoria Azarenka is, I mean, we could make the argument that she's playing right now as well as anybody in the draw on the women's side. And that was a second round matchup, right? So Sabalenka was a number five seed. She goes down, you know, one and three in the second round. That That is disappointing, you know, because she should go further. She has the talent to make quarters, semis of slams. Sabalenka does, um, you know, but when you run into Azarenka, you know, what What are you going to do about that? Um, so, you know, those are just some of the matches that I thought, you know, again, we could say someone like Joe Conta, right, who had been playing pretty well leading up to mm -hmm. the U.S. Open. I thought she could make a pretty deep run, loses to Kirstea in the second round in a tough three-set match. So, that's slightly disappointing. I mean, we could pick a lot of these matches out. I mean, you know, Venus Williams, she lost her first round. The first round, the first time that she ever lost a first round match at the U.S. Open. But again, she's 40 years old. Like, I don't expect that much out of Venus Williams these days. So that wasn't that disappointing for me. I almost expected that. You know, but for her, obviously, that's going to be disappointing. Has never lost in the first round here. But those, I would say, Pliskova, Kanta, Muguruza. I mean, just those types of players that we think, you know, could easily make the second week and probably should make the second week. Um, that all went out, you know, with Sabalenka in the in the second uh, second round of this. Yeah. No, I mean, look, to some of the points you made there, to go back to Pliskova, and I think you hit a lot of the names, so I don't have to add too much. Pliskova, 28 now, maybe 29, maybe 27, somewhere in that range. But it's been six years of her being at the top of the game. And, you know, when it's right, it obviously still looks so good. But there's just no plan B. And that's very concerning. For Sabalenka, I agree with you. She was definitely a candidate to win uh, this U.S. Open. Not her fault. She came up against a buzzsaw right. in Victoria Azarenka. Uh, you know, two more names I want to throw at you and then the player I want to circle the most. But uh, Jill Teichman, just because of how well she was playing to lose to Bolsa round one that was disappointing and surprising to me uh Donna Vekic just because of her performance I thought the way she bounced back in round one against Car uh, Christina Pliskova was so encouraging and then to have that performance against Plinkova just didn't love it but the one that stands out to me Diana Yastremska I mean I love Madison Brangle. I've had the chance to chat with her. She's such a nice, uh, you know, uh, woman, and she's just a very—she's a fighter. She's a scrapper. She makes every ball. She has no weapon to hurt Diana Yastremska with, and Yastremska losing this match is just a lack of patience, a lack of focus, and it just is happening too often. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good one. I mean, Brangle— Brengel is somebody that we just don't like. We always just kind of skip over her, right? Because her game, she's not flashy at all. Mm -hmm. um, and and Yastremska, again, yeah, had a good opportunity to make a run. She had been playing pretty well. I like that call, Gruskin. I do. I, I think that's a good choice. Um, mm -hmm. As somebody that was, you know, disappointing over the, the, the first week, she should have done better. She should have. Yeah. 
No, it, the draw opened up for her as yeah. well, and she just wasn't able to take advantage of it. All right, those are the women's players. Let's flip over now to the men's. And again, uh, a lot of this is just who are the seeds who didn't show up, right, for uh, some of these players to lose first round or whatever. You know, like an Isner lost to Steve Johnson. That's obviously disappointing. Yeah. I would say the Diego Schwartzman match lost to Cam Norrie was even more disappointing simply because Schwartzman was up two sets to one, was serving for the match 5-3 in the fifth just had so many chances in that one match points and he blew them that was disappointing Hercots Evans very winnable matches against Davidovich Vokina and Mute respectively and they both had tons of chances in those matches yeah uh, but I have you know I have one other guy or I guess two other guys on my list I want to get to any other any of those thoughts on those names and any players jump out to you yeah, those those were good names to throw out there. Obviously, for me, Isner and Schwartzman, when we first saw the draw, Gruskin, remember, and you even told me this about Stevie Johnson, he had that head-to-head record over mm-hmm. John Isner. So that one, we starred that one right away as possible upset alert. So disappointing for John? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure he actually didn't lose serve in that match. Steve won that match, um, and John Isner did not get his serve broken. So that, I mean, that's, that's a heck of a performance. Um, Schwartzman. Yeah. That matchup with Nori is just a little tricky. I mean, they're both counter punchers. Um, Schwartzman was up two sets to one. You would have thought he would have, uh, you know, come through that one. But for me, Hubie, Hubie, man. And, and I had Hubie going far. I thought when I saw the draw that this was such a good opportunity for Hubie to really make a run. I really did. I thought that he could have gotten to the second week. It looked like the draw was going to open up for him. So I I was disappointed with that Davidovich-Fokina match. I mean, two young guys, two really good up-and-coming players. I just, that's a match that I want Hubie to just take control and just go out and win that match. I really do. And and so for me, that was a big-time disappointment. For me personally, I'm a big Hubie fan. You know that. Um, the other two names that I would put in here, and these are the big ones. Obviously, Stefano Tsitsipas. The way that he choked that match against Borna Chorich. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get over that. It would take me probably a year to get over a match like that. I mean, just the oppor- the numerous opportunities that he had to close that out. And he just couldn't get it done. Highly, highly disappointing for a guy that I had penciled in to, to my semifinals. Um, I thought he was going to make it to the final four. Um, so to lose that match to Borna Chorch, very, very tough, especially the way that he had it set up, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. like Chorch just came out and blew him out in three sets. Six match points. Six match points. Stefano Sitsipas had the match on his racket and he completely blew it. So that's why that's disappointing. And then on the other half of the draw, we just, we got to talk about Milos, right? Because I had Milos Reynic in my semifinals. He had come off that final at the Western and Southern. His serve, we were like, oh, wow. Okay, Milos is back. Like, he's going to make a run here. And then he loses to Pospisil, who, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't know what their head-to-head was, but Milos had to be leading that big time going into that matchup in the second round. So, those two obviously were the big names that were, you know, big time disappointments. And then, you know, again, if you want to throw in Hubie and Schwartzman, Isner, guys like that. Um, but overall, the two guys that I thought really could go deep, and I had them in the final four who got knocked out right away, Sitsipas and uh, Milos. 
Yeah, and those were my last two names as well. Yeah. And, you know, Roberto Bautista Agut, who you referred to as Robbie Bats, I heard him refer to himself. He says his friends call him Bauti. I kind of like that, <laughs> so I might have to go with that. All right. Um, but you want to throw him on there with Raonic as well. Here's the thing. On these courts, the speed of them with Vashik Pospisil serving the way he is, hitting the forehand as big as he is and just as – shamelessly I actually think is the right word because he's honestly just saying to himself it I'm just gonna go big on this and if it works it works and if it doesn't whatever I'm in the third fourth round anyways so it's all a cherry on top but yeah I mean so I'm not terribly disappointed for Milos yeah it really felt like oh my god is this gonna be his time could he outserve Djokovic and work his way to a title given the match fitness of all of these players obviously that's not the chance but for Tsitsipas he's number one on this list and it's the six match points. It's the way he lost it. And honestly, you can argue that it was actually really impressive that he didn't get bageled in the fifth, that he legitimately had shots to break and maybe even serve for that match uh, against George and obviously should have just won it in the fourth set, but he should have just won it in the fourth set. Like, right. It's as simple as that. Yes. Oh, 100%. That that match, man, that's, that's going to stick out. I mean that's one that's one of those grand slam matches those epic five setters that we're just we're never going to forget we're always going to remember that 2020 match since he passed Chorich Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. Put that on the list. I also just think, in general, this U.S. Open has been the ta- you know when you're the best of five advocate and you're at the you know you're in the tennis Twitter courtroom and they're saying order, order, you know, give me your tournament where best of five was actually effective. You point to this U.S. Open because some of the five set matches we've had have just been so incredible, and that gets me to the last fun category I want to do here to put a bow on week one. Then we can turn our eyes towards week two, Maddie. Your favorite matches because for me on the men's side the one that just jumps out Murray Nishioka from the get-go I mean are you kidding me two sets to love down Andy Murray comes back in a physical match just leaves it all out there that was an incredible start to this event of course you know Nori Schwartzman was really fun as a five-setter as well but for me that that was unequivocally my favorite match there have been a bunch of good ones but what on the men's side will start there jump out to you yeah, I've got a couple. And again, these, of course, it's like we're going to go to the five setters, just these epic five set matches that were were awesome. But uh, Shapovala Fritz, right? I mean, that's one that we had penciled in. We were hoping that we were going to get that matchup in the third round. And sure enough, we did. Um, it, it, it didn't really disappoint. The only thing that was disappointing, obviously, Fritz had a golden opportunity to serve that match out. And he and that match is probably that match probably on this list, even if it only goes four. Exactly. Yes. I mean, just two hard-hitting guys, two next-gen players that we talk about all the time. That was just thoroughly enjoyable. I'm glad we got to see that. And I have a feeling we're going to see so many more of Shapovalov and Fritz matchups in the future. They're not going anywhere. So that was one that I had. And how about the Tiafo Millman match, man? Again, I have to go back to that just because Francis was down two sets to one. In my head, I'm going, okay, he's done. He's playing John Millman. This is a guy that's as fit as anybody on tour. He's not going to mind playing five sets. Hell, he wouldn't mind playing seven sets if he had to. Um, And so for Francis to then lose that third set, right, and come back and just refocus and say, okay, I got to crank this up. This is the U.S. Open. I've got to elevate my game. I'm not going to go anywhere. I've got two more sets that I have to win, the fourth and the fifth here. 
and then he did it. I mean, he executed. His game just elevated over the course of those final two sets. That was just such a fun match for me to watch because in my draw, I had John Millman penciled in. You know I did, but... <laughs> I wanted Francis to win so bad, obviously. So that was just a fun one for me to watch. Um, and another one over the course of that first week that'll really stick out. And again, this one, here's another one that I'll throw in. And I didn't love this one for for the level of play. Well, I did for one guy. But the FAA-Andy Murray match, I was excited about that one because I thought, okay, we've got FAA, one of my favorite young players, Andy Murray, one of the best of all time. Matching up, night match, U.S. Open. Murray didn't have his stuff. And you mentioned that first round match with Nishioka. He was obviously gassed. He wasn't feeling great. He didn't bring his best tennis. But FAA looked so good to me, man. I mean, Murray, he didn't give Murray a chance. It wasn't that Murray, you know, wouldn't have been there ready to take the match if FAA wanted to hand it to him. FAA said, you know what, man? I'm just, I'm stepping up and I'm taking this. His serves, his groundies, he just, he played so aggressively against Murray. And again, I know it wasn't the highest quality of tennis because of Andy Murray. He wasn't feeling his best, but man, that was just fun for me to watch because of FAA's level. And I was like, wow, I mean, this guy, again, this guy could make a run. And sure enough, here he is in the fourth round. So um, that was just another one that kind of stood out that I, I enjoyed watching. <laughs> yeah, all of those good selections. I mean, I think you just gave a breakdown of week one. That was perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I think every match you mentioned, there have been so many good ones. Hatching off Sinner. I know that was a match you were dialed in yeah, on, Maddie, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was, that, one, that was a fun one. And again, Sinner will have to learn from that. Again, I think he, mm -hmm. ran, out of, uh, he, he ran out of juice a little bit. I mean, he hasn't played all that many five-set matches in his career. Hatching off didn't go anywhere. Um, and so... For Sinner, I think that's a really good learning experience. I'm glad he pushed it to five. Um, and, and of course, we'll be seeing a lot more from him. That was a tough draw for both of those guys. I mean, you look at that either perspective, and that's why, you know, we got that awesome five-setter first round. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, the, those were all the fun ones on the men's side. On the women's side, let me give you my list, and then, again, uh, let me know if you have any to add. I said it from the get-go. Pegula Buzkova was both a curse and a gift from the tennis gods to me. It lived up to the hype, 7-6 in the third. I thought Conteve Collins, really fun first-round match. Scott versus Anisimova, two young Americans battling it out. Always a fan of that. Katrina Scott looked really good in that first set, too. A lot to be happy about for her. And then I thought Bernardo Perry versus Maria Sakari. That was just a really fun contrast in styles. Para the lefty Sakari, so fit. It was just a battle of wills in the end. Uh, you know, Kenan Jabour probably belongs on that list from last night as well. Any to add from that list? Your thoughts on those matches? Yeah, I, I like those calls. Um, I don't really have too much to add there. I do agree because I wanted to mention Sakari. Sakari is somebody that I think is dangerous. And that match with Para in the second round um, was a good one. And then for her to come and really, I was kind of shocked by the result of her match with Anna Samova in the third round, 6-3, 6-1. I was expecting that to be tight, probably three sets with Anna Samova having a, a good chance to win and advance. But Sakari, man, I mean, she just, the way that she plays, she's, she's, She's a bulldog. I mean, she just keeps coming. I like her attitude out there. I like her game. I think she's very dangerous. And then, yeah, that Kennan match from last night was impressive. Just because J Jabor, 
just throws so much at you. I mean, she serves very well. She mixes in slice. She hits drop shots. She's a tough opponent to play, and Kennan has had a very difficult draw. We mentioned that from the beginning. When you play Wickmire and then Fernandez, Jabor, just to get to the fourth round, that's tough, but here's Kennan just going through. She looks pretty good. Um, that was a fun match to watch because Kennan was getting a little bit frustrated against Jabor, but she would just stick to her game plan, and it, it worked out in the end. That was a fun one for me to watch, and again, I think Kennan... Um, I think Kennan has a shot here to go all the way. I, I, I do. Yeah, no, I mean, again, so many good matches through week one. But, you know, with soccer, you kind of teased it perfectly. So now let's flip our focus to week two. And let's talk about some of the dark horse candidates because we've talked a lot about the favorites, the ones that have looked good thus far, the ones who have impressed the most. But And I know it's tough, especially a lot of seeds now here in the round of 16. Is anyone really a dark horse? Probably not. But are there any players, and we can start on the women's side, who you don't think are being talked about enough, who you could see? making a semifinal final maybe even winning this title it's hard to say how about Carolina Mukova we haven't mm. talked about her at all right and and yeah. and she's been pretty impressive I mean she really has and now she draws uh Azarenka I think in in her her next match which is tough. I mean, Azarenka is an unseeded player but we can't call her a dark horse I mean we just can't and you know it's it's tough to say. I mean, is Sakari really a dark To me, players like Jen Brady now, they're not dark horses. Like, in my opinion, Jen Brady is now a favorite to go all the way. Obviously, you know, you've still got Osaka in there and Kennan. But right after those two, you look at a Jen Brady. You look at a Sakari. You look at an Azarenka. To me, the dark horses would be somebody like Karolina Mukova, right? I mean, that's, that's who I would say. If she can beat Azarenka... And then match up with a Kennan. I mean, there's a chance she could make a bit of a run. I've been impressed with her so far. I really have. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, look, there's a. So I have. I'm this not going to pick Cornet, right? I'm not going to yeah. pick Cornet or Perankova. I mean, they they impressed throughout the first week, right? They were impressive the first week, but if we're looking ahead now, players that we really think could make a serious run. Again, I'm going to look to a Jen Brady. I'm going to look to a Maria Sakari. I'm going to look to Carolina Mukova, Victoria Azarenka, players like that. Yeah, I know. I, I think they're all good picks. I mean, Vika, you can't be a former Grand Slam champion and be a dark right. horse. So yeah, that, that's what I'm right. Stage. Exactly. That's the thing. She's not a dark horse. She is unseated, though. Yeah, that's true, but she won Western Southern. Yeah, like it would, yeah. It's not going to surprise anyone. Now, the list, I would say, and again, I have four names here. Uh, Alize Cornet, I don't think it's no. happening, but she would be a dark horse. If she won it, none of us would see it coming. Uh, Jennifer Brady, I don't know if she counts as a dark horse anymore she after the way it. she put it. Yeah, after the beatdown she put on Kerber, she just is damn good she, uh, exactly. right now. Exactly. So then it comes down to two names. If Conteve beats Osaka, she'll no longer be a dark horse because she's played that well, but by seeds, sure. And then Elise Mertens, who, again— in the month of August, yeah. has made a final, made a semifinals of the Western and Southern here. If Mertens can beat Kennan, she's no longer a dark horse. But And it's tough to qualify her as one, but those are the non-Serenas, non-Osakas, non-Kennan and Azarenka, non-Slam champions I could see actually coming home with the title. Yeah, it's just the way that I look at it now, 
I'm not picking Mertens over Kennan. From what I've seen, I'm just not going to do it. I have, I'm very confident that Kennan will come through there. Um, and then who else did you met? Oh, Contivate. Yeah, Contivate, that's a good pick. Osaka, Osaka definitely has not played her best throughout these first few rounds. She she hasn't. Um, but I still believe, I mean, she she clearly has another gear to get to. Um, so for me, I I have Osaka winning that match with Contivate, but if she does somehow beat Osaka, then yeah, Contivate would be uh, a great choice, I think, yeah, to go it, through. Make a run to the final four, possibly the finals. Yeah, I could see it. And again, how few dark horses there are speaks to the fact coming into this, there was so much parody. We said there were, you know, 30-plus women right. who legitimately had a shot at winning this title. We're still, you look at who's made the round of 16, I would say about, I mean, some of them have been eliminated, sure, but of the 16 women who made the round of 16, I would say about 12 of them, legitimate shot at winning uh, the title, and that's a really fun place to be. Let's flip to the men's side now. Again, somewhat it feels like it's just Novak Djokovic's to lose, but if you were to point out a dark horse candidate, I, I have two names on my list. You tell me which one you'd like better. Alex Diemenauer, who, and you want to take the Vashik Pospisil end of that part of the equation, that's fine. But if whoever gets through that match, yes. very winnable next match, regardless of if it's FAA or Dominic team. Yeah. And now you're in the semifinals and you're playing a Medvedev, a Berrettini, a Rublev, or a Francis Tiafo, aka a fellow next Jenner. Now anything can happen. That would be case number one. Uh, yes. Let's start there. What do you think about that one? I, I completely agree. That's where I was going to go. If you were going to ask me the question, I I would say the winner of that Pospisil Demon match has to be the choice. I mean, they're both very dangerous. And they it's funny because they both play very differently. And mm-hmm. that'll be a fun match to watch. That's going to be a really, really fun match to watch. Um, but both of those players are dangerous for different reasons. So I, I agree with you there. I mean, other than that, it's it's hard to choose. I mean, do you look at maybe a Borna Chorich, right? Do you go there? Mm. Um Maybe I don't, I, I don't know either. He just he's coming off that match with Stefano. So I, I don't I don't like that as much. I mean, he's he's playing Jordan Thompson. Jordan Thompson could give Borna Chorich some problems if we're being completely honest. I mean, I wouldn't be completely shocked if Thompson won that match just because of what Borna just had to go through. So it's it's tough. I mean, I don't really see any other dark horses, right? Because everyone else is seated pretty high. I mean, would you put FAA? If he beats Dominic mm, Team, is then sure. FAA, you know, if he beats no. Team, I, no, I don't know. No, because I, I just don't see the world where FAA, even if he beats Team to rip through the quarters and semis, I'm not there yet. Okay. I would say, you know, before I saw this stat and it was tweeted out, I want to get the account right. I, I always think I butcher, but it's at MrOnly.Tennis, at only, I think it's what, at only Roger can fly. Who, uh, the, here's the players, uh, the six most quarterfinals appearances for any man born 1990 or later at the Slams. Rayonich has 10. Team has six. Dimitrov has five. Zirev now has four. Lucas Puy and David Goffin both have three. And I was ready to make a sneaky case for Goffin, particularly <sighs> with how good he looked against Krajinovich. And, you know, if if someone knocks off Novak Djokovic, now we're in for a show. Now we're going to have a first-time Grand Slam champion. And obviously we haven't had one of those in a little bit of time. But 
I don't know. It's hard to say anyone but Novak Djokovic at this point. And so with that in mind, let's get to our predictions, Maddie. We'll start with the men's side since that where where we're at. Is this yeah. Novak Djokovic's slam still to lose? And who do you think he's going to come up against in the final? 100%. It is absolutely his to lose. There's nothing that I've seen throughout the first week that will cause me to change my mind on that pick. I feel very good about my Djokovic pick. Um, he's looked good. I mean, the way that he handled Struff, and we know that Struff is dangerous. I watched that match, and I thought Struff actually played pretty well. I'm watching him going, man, he's ripping his ground. He's, he's trying to hit angles. I, I was not that disappointed in Struff. And Novak just put everything back. I mean, he just, hey, Give me your best shot. I'm going to give it right back to you. So for me, Novak, it is clear that he is by far the biggest favorite. No question about it. And then who is he going to come up against in the final? I'm going to stick with my pick who I had, Daniil Medvedev. Again, I haven't seen anything from Medvedev that would cause me any concern to not have him meet Joker in the final. Nothing. I, I love what I see out of Medvedev, and I think he's only going to get better. So I'll mm-hmm. take Novak over Medvedev. In the final. That's my pick. And that's what I had before the tournament anyway, so I'll stick to it. Mm -hmm. Now, coming into this tournament, we said on our draw preview, there were five guys we thought had a legitimate shot at winning. You scoffed at my fifth, but now evidently more uh, more realistic. We said Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Rayonich, and Zverev. Obviously, Tsitsipas, Rayonich eliminated. Zverev, you know, Medvedev both going to have to go through Djokovic to get the job done. You know, well, I suppose Medvedev might not have to, but Zverev more than likely going to have to. Um, Daniil Medvedev's looked really good. Alex Zverev's looked really good. I do think those are the only two guys right now. I just don't think team has looked good enough on this surface. And, you know, uh, Sneaky, by the way, Berrettini and Rublev deserve credit. They're on in the same tier as Dominic team, but just a notch below Zverev and Medvedev right now. But I agree with you. I just... I will be happily surprised, as thrilled as anyone, if Zverev knocks off Djokovic. I just think it's Novak Djokovic's to lose, and I agree with you. I think Daniil Medvedev's the guy who's looked second best, who just three out of five just seems like a miserable matchup to to go up against. And so completely agree with you there. Well, then let's flip to the women's side. I have said this of late on our mini break and great shot podcast we have done prior to this, but following her win over Sloan for the first time, I allowed myself to believe, oh man, Serena Williams might actually be able to win Grand Slam number 24 at this U.S. Open. Is that your pick? Where are you going for your predictions on the women's side? Heck no. Not even (laughs) close. I have not been impressed with Serena whatsoever. I think she loses to Sakari. I'm going to take Maria Sakari in that match. I I don't have confidence in Serena. The win over Sloan, yeah, I I watched that match. Sloan, ugh, don't even get me started. We'll just all skip over that. We can talk about that a different day. So, no, Serena is definitely not my pick. I have her losing next round. My pick Mm -hmm. is going to be Kennan. So, she got through, I think, the toughest first few rounds um, of the tournament. When we saw her draw, we said, man, I don't know if Kennan's going to make it out of there. But here she is. She's in the fourth round. Um, She's looked good. I mean, straight sets in her matches. She's just kind of quietly gone through. I just think her attitude, man, she's just feisty. Every time she steps on the court, I just, I love what I see out of Kenan. I think she matches up well with Mertens. I like her in that matchup. 
I'm going to take Kennan to come out of the bottom half of the draw, make the final. And on the top half, look, I'd love to pick Jen Brady. I really would. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of her. But I'm going to stick with my original pick. And, and I'm just, I'm going to stick with Osaka. And I know that's picking Chalk, the high seed, blah, 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 whatever. But Osaka just hasn't played her best yet. I've watched her first few rounds. She's looked okay, but she clearly has another level to get to. It's almost like Zverev, right, on the men's side where he's been pretty good, but we know he has another gear. If they get to that next gear, look out, right? I mean, because they're going to be a step above the competition. So my matchup for the final is going to be Naomi Osaka against Kennan, and I'm going to pick Kennan to win. Um, I think Kennan's going to get her second slam. I think she's going to do it. I, I, I do. I'll pick Kennan to win the U.S. Open. I hope that happens. I, I'm picking that maybe a little bit more with my heart than my head. <laughs> but from what I've seen so far, I like what I've seen out of Kennan in a tricky first week. The draw was tricky for her, and she navigated that very, very well. I think she's going to go all the way. Yeah. Look, I, I don't like it when we agree. But uh, we agree on the final. I have said it the whole time. When she's playing her best, Naomi Osaka looks yes. better than any player in the draw. Now, we don't know her health, but if she can get through Conteve, get through yep. you know a Kvitova or Shelby Rogers, get through a Jennifer Brady or whoever comes out of that top half, and I just think you'd rather be in the top half than the bottom half probably right now yes. given just how many dangerous players. Although, then again, the Serena portion of the draw, she gets through Sakari. She'll have the winner of Cornet and, uh, and Perankova. That's... Uh, again, the draw gods bless Serena Williams. We said that from the get-go. But if Sophia Kennan wins this slam, she's the best player in the world in the women's game, and that's yep. no longer a debate. I still just think Naomi Osaka, I see it, and when it looks right, it looks so good, and she's been able to flip the switch so you know a couple of different times now over these first two weeks in New York. So I'm going to stick with Osaka over Kennan, but the way that Kennan's uh, level of play has continued to improve, the fact that she only played one match at the Western Southern, then rested for another week, I'm not worried about her fitness at all. And yeah. she's one of the few players you can say that about. I think she's a pick for the bottom half for me. I'm just going to stick with Osaka because I just think the serve, is just when it's on, it's better than anything else. Yeah, that's totally fair. And again, I, I think you may be picking there more with your head than your heart. And I'm, you know, I just, I would want Kennan to win that matchup so badly. Um, if we, if we get that final, I think it'd be entertaining either way, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Kennan. I, I really hope she can get it done. I've, I've been impressed with what I've seen so far, which, you know, gives me some confidence in that pick. Mm -hmm. I, I can feel good about it right now. No, I, the problem I've learned is my heart's so I'm done listening to it. I'm just going to go with my head instead. My head's a really good guy. It's my heart that gives me all the problems when I follow that. So, well, anyways. I'm just going to keep picking against Verev because clearly <laughs> whenever I pick against Verev, he, he does well. So just remind me, Alex, every time we do this, when a, a new draw comes out, just have me pick against Verev and then he'll just win everything. Yeah, no, you picking against Zverev is good for both my head and my heart. So please continue to do it. But with that in mind, one last thing I want to do with you, and it's kind of like a parking machine, listeners. You know how when you're in your downtown somewhere or you're parking somewhere, parallel parking, and you got to put quarters in the machine and you got to put in a new quarter for every, you know, uh, 15 minutes you want. I feel like I'm out of quarters with Maddie. I know I'm running out of time here, so I'm only going to put one more question into the deposit and then we can wrap this bad boy up, Maddie. I promise because we want to go 
go watch some round of 16 tennis, obviously. But let's have a little fun. I came up with some storylines that I think we're going to be talking about after the U.S. Open. I want you to tell me how feasible you think they are. That sound good? Yep, let's do it. All right, let's rock and roll. Let's start then with the women's side. Here are the storylines I think are going. we're going to be talking about coming out of the U.S. Open. Rank them from most to least likely. Serena winning slam number 24. If she wins it, not only is it going to be the talk of the tennis world, it's going to lead SportsCenter. She's going to be on Good Morning America. She's going to make the TV show rounds. It'll be a huge story. That's, you know, one. Two, we sort of alluded to it. Sophia Kennan wins this. She's the best player in the world. Three, Naomi Osaka wins this. I think an Osaka win is the only possible player who could parallel the sort of attention it would receive from the broader tennis community, broader community at large, as Serena Williams. And then story number four, the last one I'll throw in there, the Vika resurgence. Vika wins Western and Southern. Vika wins the U.S. Open, and the tennis world just falls back in love with Victoria Azarenka. One, two, three, four. Which of those do you think we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so... I'll go most likely. So number one, most likely would probably be Osaka. Um, I think she, I mean, she's going to be the odds on favorite, right? The Vegas odds are going to tell us that Osaka is the favorite. So I'll put that as most likely with Kennan winning her second slam and becoming the undisputed best uh, women's player in the world. Right behind that at number two, I think, again, look at what we just picked, right, Gruskin? We picked a Kenan Osaka final. So those two for me would be one, two. Number three, I'll put Azarenka. Um, I I think she wins Western and Southern. She's playing very well here um, so far at the U.S. Open. I mean, there there is a chance that we could be talking about that storyline at you know in another week or so, and then fourth uh, last, I'd say Serena Williams wins her twenty fourth Slam. I, I don't think it's happening. I just I, I'm not loving what I'm seeing out of her. Um, just her movement overall. I, I think there's going to be too many players that are just going to expose that and and take Serena down. I I don't see her winning this title. I really don't. In fact, I I think Maria Sakkari is going to win. Um, mm-hmm. their, their fourth round match. So for me, I'd go one Osaka, two Kennan, three Azarenka, four Serena. Do you think they're all likely, uh, or all possible storylines? Excuse me. <sighs> Everything except Serena, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I mean, even the Serena one, like is it is possible because she is still Serena and like weirder things have happened, especially on the women's side. Like, you know, it, it, I I suppose all four of those are possible. Um, but just in terms of most likely to least likely, I, I I think the Osaka Kennan takes Mm -hmm. are much more realistic than either Azarenka or Serena, even though those maybe be, you know, they're even a little more fun, right? For Azarenka, the mom now to come back and win Western and Southern, back that up and win the U.S. Open. That's fun. Serena, obviously, everybody in America wants to see her win the tournament and, uh, you know, get her 24th major. So those are the more fun takes, but I think the more realistic takes would either be Osaka or Kennan. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Well, then with that in mind, let's quickly flip to the men's side. I have two for you. We can go through them quickly. One, 
undefeated Novak Djokovic. We both think it's likely. We both predicted it. How much, you know, will the shock and awe of Djokovic, what would he be at that point? 28, 29, 30, and 0, whatever it would be in 2020 matches. Would that outweigh everything that's going on off the court for him? PTPA, Adria Tour stuff, yada, 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 yada. Or, or would we as a tennis community be marveling at that and be like, oh my God, this guy just did it again, another 30-match win streak to start a season? Yeah, I just think from the standpoint of just him winning another slate, it's about his legacy. Like, I know all the off-court stuff. I think everything that he does here on the court is just much more important. Um, I think that outweighs everything else. You know, it, mm-hmm. there, it's I, I'm going to disagree with you just because if the <sighs> P- Professional Tennis Players Association becomes what they want it to become, that will be arguably more impactful than anything he's done on a tennis court. But to your larger point, I agree. Overall, people are going to remember Novak. Man, he may go down as the greatest player of all time when it's all said and done. He very that is that is possible. I mean, that is really within the realm of possibility right now. He's not close to retiring. He's not going anywhere soon. Rafa and Roger are much older. I, I just think every one of these majors that Novak racks up is just another notch. It's just another notch in the belt. For him to become the greatest of all time, I, for me, looking back on it, right, when we're, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, we're looking back on it. Yeah, the Players Association, that's going to be cool. But man, we're going to say, this guy Novak, I mean, what a player. What a guy, maybe the best of all time to ever do it. I think that's more important. He's at what, 17 right now? Yeah, this would be his 18th. This and would be his 18th. So you talk about greatest of all time. The, the cop-out is always when someone says, who's the greatest tennis player of all time, Federer and Adola Djokovic? You say it's actually Serena because you didn't specify men's or women's. But well, if he wins this one six or five more after it to catch Serena, now it's like, oh, my God, he really could be the greatest tennis player, male or female, yes. of the modern era. Like that, that is in play. He yes. is the only player right now who's like, hey, I could catch Serena. And that's, that's nuts. Right. It's just nuts. That's what I'm saying. That's my point. You just you said that exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. I think that's absolutely something we're going to be talking about. The other one, and I've talked about it a little bit so we can be quick, 10 of these players in the round of 16 on the men's side uh, considered next-geners, right? 96 or later, they were part of that inaugural campaign. And for guys like Zverev and Medvedev and you know maybe even Berrettini and Rublev at this point, quarterfinals feels like something they should do, but that they made it look routine, that guys like FAA and Shapovalov and Dimonauer and you know Davidovich Fokina joined them, it's almost time to start calling them the now gen. And I know no Monfils, no Avrinka, no Fanini, no Nadal, no Federer, fine. You want to say that like Jamie McDonald tried to to me earlier? I don't really have a counter for that. You're right. But you can only play the match that's across the net from you. And, you know, these guys have done it, and they've done it better at this slam than ever before, and it's extreme circumstances, but it finally felt like these next-gen guys are winning the matches they should, and that's a storyline for me coming out of this, regardless of what happens this next week. Yeah, I agree. It's been fun to watch. I mean, you look at guys like Demon and FAA and Davidovich Fokina, and they've really played, I mean, Shapovalov and Fritz and Tiafo and all these guys, they've done well. Rublev, of course. Um, there are a lot of them. I mean, Zverev, they're all hanging around. And again, you mentioned it, Gruskin. We don't have, not everybody's here. Some of the older veteran guys that were, you know, we're used to having in the round of 16 of majors in the, in the quarters. Um, 
but these guys are playing well, and it's fun to watch. I enjoy watching every single one of them play. They're all a little bit different. They have some different styles, but they're very entertaining to watch. It's a great. It's going to be a great generation of players. Um, but again, I mean, Novak is still here, so that's at the end of the day. It's his tournament. He's going to win it, I think so. But um, you know, it's it's fun to see all of these yeah. younger guys doing really well because they're they're playing yeah. well. It's fun to watch, and it's definitely a storyline for sure. Yeah. Well, as we're recording this, Novak Djokovic. So I, I'm after we go through all of that take in case something goes wrong. He's at five all right now versus Karina Busta. Just took a tumble on the court apparently hurt his shoulder the trainer is out uh, so perhaps that past hour uh, not worthwhile it was not a clean fall I'm looking at a video of it right now but of course you know no one bounces back quite like Novak Djokovic so we'll see again what happened with that fall where he goes from here but yeah I agree with you I think you know regardless of again there a lot of these next-gen guys are going to have chances here to make a run at a final to even get a look at their first title and yeah it's something we're absolutely absolutely going to be talking about after this slam something we'll always talk about here at crack rackets but we'll have some ammo finally for the points we keep trying to make about these next gen players of course again we still have another week of tennis to unfold hopefully you've been following all the action with us here at crack rackets whether it's our daily recaps on the mini break podcast our picks each day for our ace of the day on the gsp of course cracked interviews inside out pod still rocking and rolling and you can find a lot of our content in video form on on our YouTube channel as well. So be sure to go subscribe there. Check it out. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly as so many of you are now kind enough to do. Um, at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers Max Flinger and Daniel Westa for the fuck of an editing job they do day in day out. We have kept them busy these past weeks. You know, I record these things late at night, but then there's two more hours that go after where Westoff's editing them. So shout out to him for all of his work that he's done. Shout out as well to the continued support we get from our friends at DraftKings. Just go to dkng.co slash cracked open if you want to play along with us. Maddie, I'm going to give you the final word on this podcast and then we'll wrap your final thoughts on week one looking forward to week two yeah it's been a tremendous first week I mean we've gotten everything we've wanted you know epic five set matches um you know really good competitive competitive matches um you know again the crowd's not there it does it's a little bit different um you know a U.S. Open without you know everyone stalking the grounds and and those U.S. Open crowds but I've had a blast watching it man um and and I really think it's shaping up for a really really interesting second week um we'll see who comes out man we'll we'll see I mean are we gonna have some new some new Grand Slam champions I mean it'd be crazy right if on the men's and women's side if we had a new champion, if somebody like Jen Brady could come through um, and, and win on the women's side, I'd love to see that. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to do another one of these, man, after next weekend. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, then, with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks to Koyak, our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matty, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. And we hope you all enjoy week two. Take care, everyone.